0: You're listening to NASA in Silicon Valley, episode 36. Today we're talking to Steve Ord, the technology manager within the Flight Opportunities Program at NASA Ames. Basically, Steve manages the payload selections for the program in a variety of space-related environments. This includes working with commercial partners on reusable launch vehicles, high-altitude balloons, parabolic aircraft flights, amongst many others. We talk about his early days working in one of NASA's largest video games, the, the Vertical Motion Simulator, and working on the L-Cross mission to the moon. And of course, talk about some of the cool things he's seen while working here at NASA. So here is Steve Ord. Tell us a little bit about yourself. How did you get to NASA? How did you get to Silicon Valley? What are you working on?
1: Uh, well, I started uh, at NASA Ames many, many years ago as a student. Okay. Um, I was going to San Jose State University at the time and uh, found an opportunity to work in the flight simulations division. Okay, um, And uh, I had always wanted to be a pilot in uh, growing up years. And it turned out that uh, you know it wasn't going to work out for me to go be a pilot uh, <laughs> with uh, bad vision and that. So that'll do it. So what I, what I ended up doing was uh, was finding something else in engineering, and I always liked uh, space too and aeronautics. So and
0: were you were you always local, and that's why you ended up at San Jose, or uh, no? That's around?
1: a yeah, that's kind of a, a long story. We uh, we got stationed overseas when I was in high school, so. Okay. Basically, uh, Air Force Brat. Okay. I grew up in Fairfield up north, though. That's my hometown. We spent 10 years there. Then we got stationed overseas when I was in high school. So I basically uh, chose a college from a book without visiting, no visiting. (laughs) Just, uh, you know, hey, this one looks good. They got aeronautics. So that's how I ended up at San Jose State.
0: Well, you picked a place with good weather. Nice people, nice yeah, ambiance in the Bay Area. You can't complain.
1: Yep, yep. Also found my wife there at San Jose State, so that, <laughs> that was a, a really good bonus there too. Yeah.
0: And so, did you start off like doing engineering? Did you always? I mean, growing up, like in the in the military, being around government people, was it like I'm going to fly planes? I'm going to be an absolutely. engineer. Absolutely.
1: There's when you're around planes, you know, your whole life, um, and you just you you not only see them, you can smell them. I mean, just that whole, the flight line atmosphere is yep. just so exciting, always has been exciting to me. Um, and so I always picture myself as being a transport pli- pilot maybe for the military, then yep. maybe flying
0: 747 someday. This has uh, been fun fun for me here, because I grew up near wright Pat Air Force Base in oh, near go. Dayton, Ohio, and then moving out here, the sound of planes flying over or even the wind tunnel It's like, whereas some new newcomers to Silicon Valley would be like, "Why the noise? How is this?" Right. I grew up around it. It just becomes background. You don't even notice.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I mean, and it's hard to it's hard to miss the huge hangar one that we have here at Moffitt Field. So. Uh, very inspiring um, so I always wanted to work out here at NASA um, knowing that it was the here at Moffett field and that um, and so I got to start to work as a student in the in the uh, simulations branch.
0: Cool like as an intern I'm guessing. I was a
1: yeah I was a co-op student actually Excellent. Um, which is great a great career path it's hard to see when you're when you're young. Uh, It's hard to see how that could end up as a, you know, a nice retirement plan and everything else. Uh, Nevertheless, I took the advice, some sage advice from some of the folks there and and, uh, got to be a, you know, got into the civil service uh, part of that. And and so at first I was just a student um, through a regular program, but then got into the co-op program.
0: And so where were you, what were you working on?
1: With flight simulation? So it was a great place to work. Astronauts would come in, and uh, very humbling experience <laughs> working on something uh, in a simulator that's like the world's largest video game. It's you know, yes. it, it, it goes up and down tens of feet and uh, moves around in, in all six degrees of freedom. This is the uh,
0: vertical motion. Vertical
1: motion simulator, yeah. And I still, in fact, uh, one of my coworkers there is now my boss now after all these years, <laughs> uh, and she's great. But. Uh, yeah, working on the systems, uh, maintaining the mechanical systems was one of my jobs, uh, of course under the the you know supervision of the other engineers in the yeah, of course. facility. Uh, but it just awesome. you know, I remember kneeling down, we were working on this boarding ramp that used to access the actual simulator and it would slide out and, and people would walk on it to get into the simulator. And I remember John Young, a moonwalker, okay walking down the ramp next to me and I, I couldn't even breathe. I, I was oh, just. That's awesome. it was amazing. It was just amazing.
0: (laughs) So for folks who don't fully understand, describe the Vertical Motion Simulator. I've seen it in person. I haven't actually been in it. So
1: it's a a large building with this big beam that goes the span of the building inside. And on top of the beam is a unit that rotates around um, and it has a cockpit inside, a simulated cockpit. Uh, In in many cases, they flew uh, space shuttle landing simulations there. So you'd have the space shuttle. A cockpit with all the instruments that are used for landing. There's a lot of blank areas where they're used for flight, not landing, mm-hmm. uh, and of course we don't, you know, we save taxpayer money, we don't buy the stuff we don't need. Yeah. Um, and so they would, the, the pilot and uh, commander would go in and do simulations. I actually got to fly one time oh, wow. uh, with one of the astronauts, um, and uh, it's just awesome. So it moves up and down and represents flight, and when you hit the ground you feel it,
0: you feel it like uh, when jerks, you yeah.
1: veer to the side, if you have a landing gear failure which they simulate, mm-hmm. um, you know, you'll feel it veering to the side and that uh, it's, it's, it is the ultimate video game, hands yeah. down.
0: And if, like, the cabs also can get replaced. So like here's a mm-hmm. shuttle one, here's an airliner one. They even have a moon lander one.
1: They have, yeah. They had, at, at, the time, at the time I was there, they had, um, they had mostly rotorcraft simulations oh, wow. and they would do fixed base without the motion between two, maybe two helicopters would do a okay. scenario um, for the Army. Um, but also the space shuttle, they had a fighter cockpit um, and, and various ones. So. A really cool place to start out working at NASA. A very professional organization with a very can-do experience. All of those cabs are not bought off the shelf. Those are all homemade <laughs> by NASA. Them. The mechanics and, and electricians and folks working for NASA building those were awesome. Just awesome.
0: And so we're so what are you working on now or kind of what was that path you are working on So yeah on fast there? forward
1: 29 years. <laughs>
0: yes sum up 29 years so. in uh, five minutes here.
1: <laughs> yeah so uh, uh, from there I went to work for wind tunnels um, awesome. and worked in the wind tunnels. I was a facility engineer responsible for mechanical mod- modifications and that to the to the facility became a facility um, engineer for 11 foot wind tunnel and that. Um, those are in wind tunnel, basically, most people can kind of imagine you blow yeah. in past a, a an aerodynamic shape, and uh, then you can test the forces on it and the pressures and see what's happening. Uh, I worked there for uh, a long time uh, and uh, several years, and um, and got in a little bit into branch management there. Uh, and then decided I had an opportunity to go work on the space side of NASA. NASA has okay. aeronautics and space. Yeah, um, and so um, I went from the aeronautics side over to the space side and worked on a project called L-Cross, where we okay. um, sent a satellite to the moon to impact it to see if there was water ice on, on the moon.
0: A callback to a previous <laughs> podcast where we had uh, Dan Andrews on yeah. talking about that.
1: So I worked for Dan Andrews. Dan was our project manager and a great one at that. And uh, and so I worked on that program, and that was that was interesting. It was a great introduction to the space. Side. Of of NASA.
0: And so now you're working on this is a flight opportunities program, or tell us a little bit about what you're doing.
1: So now I'm working on the flight opportunities program, and uh, we basically are interested in technology development for NASA. Uh, in a couple of things. One is generic technology development according to the roadmaps that we have for future exploration. So, hey, okay. we're going to Mars. What do we need to get to Mars? Yeah. The other thing we do is we help small launch vehicle technology. So, we have programs that, that help folks build small launch vehicles. Okay. Uh, so, not a Saturn V or a space shuttle-sized no. rocket, yeah. small rockets that maybe launch a few CubeSats. Uh, so, that's, that's kind of the, in, in a nutshell, that's what our program is about, is helping those two things happen.
0: And, and so how do you how do you, how do you bridge those together?
1: So we have so we, we do various calls and announcements for opportunities for folks. Um, so we have uh, some calls coming up where we're going to say, hey, folks, do you have payloads that NASA needs for its <laughs> technology? Uh, if you do, go ahead and apply and we'll pay for the flight for you. Uh-huh. Um, if you're a commercial entity, there is some cost sharing required, but basically we'll, we'll help you with the flight. Um, and so that's NASA giving folks money to help develop the technology. Um, for small launch vehicles, we'll also have solicitations that go out and say, hey, are you at a tipping point, for instance, with your technology development? Are you on the verge of something huge so Just that your vehicle could be used by NASA or others uh, to really have access to space, low cost and frequent? Yeah. And so then we'll help fund those as well. If, and it's a solicitation, so they compete for the funding, and the winners get funds to do that.
0: How often does that happen? I mean I guess so a call out.
1: For the small launch vehicle stuff, about once a year, we okay. have a, um, either an announcement of collaborative opportunity, okay. which is where they come and they get help from NASA. Um, and facilities, there's no money going back and forth for those. But let's say that Marshall Space Flight Center has a rocket test stand that you could use and you know, you're know you developing a rocket engine, but you just don't have a rocket test stand in your backyard and a lot of folks don't. They could use that. That's a collaborative opportunity. We also have like a tipping point, uh, which once per year, which is where we give you funds to go develop the technology. So those are about once a year. For the technology development, uh, where folks might look at the roadmap and say, oh, I've got a way of measuring the amount of fuel left in a tank, okay. um, which is right now very hard to do with any good accuracy, maybe 5% accuracy, and mm-hmm. you know, you have to, to make the tank move in space and use fuel just to measure how much fuel is in. we got folks looking at ways to do that in different ways using modal analysis and things like that. Okay. Um, so those folks come forward and say, hey, I've got a way of me- measuring fuel tank, and by the way, it's much more accurate let me test my technology." And those folks come forward and what they do is they test on different vehicles that we have that provide flight environments, space-like flight environments. We have sounding rockets, we mm-hmm. have the Vomit Comet, uh, <laughs> nice. and uh, it's not when I say we, it's we basically provide funding. The folks go out and they find, okay. find commercial flight providers to do this. Um, again, we are a, a program that really is trying to get the commercial Aspect of space going, and so we help commercial folks do that.
0: And you, you'd mentioned earlier, you know, before NASA, there was NACA, which was you know what Ames was beforehand. Of you know, even just thinking of aeronautics, it went through this whole process where it was government did the funding, you know, mm-hmm. taking some ideas that came out of you know from the Wright brothers and things. So eventually, the government funded it, did research, you had airmail that was. You know, government subsidized, and eventually you think of Pan Am and public-private partnerships, and then eventually turning into an entire commercial industry worth billions of dollars. Mm -hmm. And it's like, I kind of use that as an analog of how the space industry is going right now. It was just government. There's been a lot of international partnerships, and now we're moving into this public-private partnerships just like we did for aeronautics. But to eventually get into a place where we can do the not really a moon shot, but the Mars shot or the bigger things, but let other people handle low earth orbit and stuff.
1: Absolutely. We, um you know, we are, as flight opportunities, we're heavily focused on commercialization. So those things that that the commercial entities can do, we're looking for them for help in that. And that benefits us because, you know, that provides more options and and lower cost access to space. There are some things that the commercial folks, uh, it's just not a wise investment from a business (laughs) perspective to go to Mars necessarily. And so those kind of things are inherently governmental. And sure, we we definitely take part, much more of a part in that. But for other things, um, for instance, our flight providers, as I mentioned, whether or not we're going on a vomit comet, uh, sounding rockets or small yeah. launch vehicles. we're In our program, we use commercial vehicles um, for that because they're they're out there. They're definitely capable of doing that.
0: Yeah, I mean, if it already exists in the private sector, there's no reason for NASA to build and, and do That's this right. themselves. That's right. Yeah. And if you think of, you know, mm-hmm. sending a, a rover or a lander to Europa, you know, to try to bust through the ice and see what's there. Imagine the amount of investment a company would be willing to put into until they find any kind of profit return. So right. it makes sense. To like, let's let NASA pave the way on that stuff. And then hopefully years down the road, then it helps, you know, open up other doors for people.
1: Absolutely. And what's neat, what's going on right now that is really neat that I see is these collaborative opportunities where you've got NASA expertise. We have crown jewels of people that are just – Phenomenally talented, and we have some facilities that are very talented. That are public, you know, public facilities. They're yeah, NASA facilities. Taxpayer
0: is paid for this.
1: And what's neat is seeing companies being able to tap into that with awesome. some of these uh, agreements and that. And so, you know, you don't have 20 of these same similar facilities being built around. You know, you have a couple of them that people are using. And so, I think everybody wins when we we're able to do those kind of partnerships.
0: And so looking at that, do you also kind of tap into a bit of the the tech transfer aspect of things?
1: Yeah. And and when folks come through our program, um, typically they they, will—they have the the technology they're developing already. So the technology, there's not, you know, for our program, NASA engineers are not designing or helping their payloads. They really are on their own, whether it be a university or, or a commercial company or whatever. They are developing the technology on their own. So the technology transfer is a little bit different there. Okay. Because
0: we, we NASA does work in that to help, you know, transfer our technology to other people to help them and then also learn from what they're doing. But you're looking more at the tipping point. These are the people who are like right up to that edge and just need a little bit more of a boost.
1: Right. Now, there are we do do flights for uh, albeit less flights, but we do do yeah. flights for NASA Technology developers as well. Okay. So some some folks will apply to our internal call for NASA payloads. Those folks, when they develop the technology, there's a technology transfer process that they go through. They may license the technology; other folks can use it and uh, and build from there and, and move on. So internal folks do that. Um, they you know as far as the technology transfer.
0: So for folks who are listening, who you know what's something that they may have heard of or something partnership or some technology. That kind of helped
1: push them so, through. So uh, JPL developed a uh, one of my favorite pay- payloads, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> if I can be biased. <laughs> if you can have favorite a favorite payload. It's a gecko gripper. Okay. JPL developed a gecko gripper, and it's awesome. Uh, as you know, geckos can walk right up the side of a wall, and that's because they have little hairs on their toes um, yeah. that have um, that are so small and they bend just the right way that they have uh, atomic forces that actually hold them to the wall. The van der Waals of forces. Oh wow! And so JPL figured out a way to make that with rubber, and I've <laughs> seen it in under microscope. I've seen it at their lab, and it is awesome. They have. Uh, And they've they've tested in our Vomit Comet, for instance, Um, and they have a a material that that you can basically stick to something, like let's say you were installing a tank in space. They can stick, you know, to hold onto this tank, and then they can release it uh, at will just by applying a side force to it, and it's just phenomenal. So um, they're licensing that technology. And so somebody out there um, is gonna pick that up and go forth from here and, and, uh, and possibly use it for all kinds of other applications. There's a whole bunch of Earth applications for this. Oh, wow. And so here's another example of NASA space developed technology. We need this technology to do certain things in space, but there's a spin off to the Earth-based, um, like sunglasses and insulin pumps and all these other things that we've developed over time uh, for space use, uh, the technologies for space, but yet there's a huge spinoff for the public.
0: And it, it, we've mentioned the vomit comment a, ha- a handful of times, just for folks who may not be familiar with what that is. I, I mean, this is an airplane that like will go really high up in, in the air and then like do a quick nose dive to, you know, to simulate weightlessness. Is that about right? right?
1: Yeah. And so it porpoises up and down um, <laughs> and you get about 20 seconds of weightlessness oh, wow. and then you pull out and you get about, you have to pull about two G's to pull out of the dive. And so it's basically in free fall for about 20 seconds and they might do 20 to 40 parabolas in a in a flight um, and they're, they're awesome flights. The neat thing about it too is you don't have to go zero G.
0: Yeah. Um,
1: we have tested technologies that want to go on Mars and moon and that even asteroid G. So I've been on a flight where we did you know one-third gravity because that's what Mars is. We did say. one-sixth gravity is lunar and it's kind of neat. You jump up and down. It's a little different when you're on the moon uh, and payloads definitely respond differently. The asteroid G is just a little bit of gravity. There's not much at all yeah. on the asteroid. But it is there, and it does affect payloads, and so we've even tested those on the Bomb Comet.
0: For looking at flight opportunities, some of the stuff that you're you're working on, what do you see? You know, five years, ten years from now, what are you hoping to see? Is you know, as this develops over the well, next couple of years,
1: hopefully, what we'll see is more and more flight vehicles coming online Mm -hmm. so that right now there is a backlog for launching small satellites into space. For instance, NASA has a huge backlog and there's a lot of folks that want to do that for research and other, even commercial purposes. So what I'm hoping is that we see a lot of small launch vehicles come to market. There's several out there in development. They've been in development for a long time, but we haven't seen them quite come out yet. There's a few launch vehicles that are uh, larger in scale. And those are coming out. um, And we're seeing those um, more frequently. So uh, I think we're right now on the the cutting edge of having a whole bunch of vehicles (laughs) come out. And then with the commensurate payloads being flown, a lot of technology being developed in the future. Um, is for flight opportunities. We'll look for other opportunities for partnering and, and yeah. other creative ways we can help that process. Now, there's a lot of ways to do it. Uh, there's a lot of different facilities out there, and so we'll see where that goes in the future.
0: It's a nice saying that I've kind of had in my head for a while. Is like you know everybody always says you know space is hard. You know space is really really hard. Um, but the cool thing about it is we don't have to do it alone. You I know mean, we don't have to be the only ones in this area. Like that's know, we're right. Massive, we're excited to partner with anybody that can help us. Get there. So there's right. no reason to do it by ourselves.
1: And there's also another aspect that, you know, um, with flight opportunities, um, we can take higher risks. Payloads, um, payloads. You know, it, it's not necessarily failure is not an option. Yeah. With a crewed flight, failure is not an option. You absolutely. have to be absolutely careful. Uh, and so we're not going to change that. But for uh, our flights that are uncrewed, such as sounding rocket flights or these launch vehicles that go up and come back uh, in suborbitally you can take a lot more risk, and that's kind of neat, too. So yeah. we'll see payloads that, um, that you know, you no- couldn't normally fly on maybe space station um, mm-hmm. or, you know, those kind of vehicles, and it's kind of neat. So we can take some risks, and we can kind of push the envelope there with yeah.
0: those. Especially not only with the human factor, but when even when you're looking at multi-million dollar, very expensive instrumentation um that's similarly. You don't want to mess up on that. But Absolutely. if you're doing with stuff that's less expensive, maybe off-the-shelf, you know, products, or partnering with people. Well, that's then, one of the things yeah. that
1: um, you know. That's one of the things that, that the small launch vehicle technology brings. If you have small launch vehicles available to take these Cube and these small high-risk payloads up, uh, it also helps that problem because those small high-risk payloads can find secondary rides with other larger, more important payloads. But as soon as you stick that onto that rocket, it now becomes a mm-hmm. you know a well managed and very scrutinized payload, and a lot of times it's not cost effective. So one of the things we're looking for is to drive that back and having these vehicles that can take higher risk uh, flights, um, so that we can develop that technology cheaper.
0: For anybody who's listening who's got questions for you, um, we are using the hashtag NASA Silicon Valley, and we're on Twitter at NASA Ames. Um, so if, for people who want to know more about your stuff, I'm guessing just go to nasa.gov.
1: NASA.gov, uh, and if you look for Flight Opportunities, we're under the Space Technology Mission Directorate. But if you if you just go in and search on the internet for Flight Opportunities NASA, you'll find our website on NASA, and then there's contact info there for us.
0: Awesome. Well, thanks for coming on over.
1: Yeah, You're welcome. Thank you for having me.